Welcome back to another Beach Cop Detectives interview with the writers, cast, and crew of Terriers. This time out, we're talking to Fief Sutton, who is one of the producers and a writer in the writer's room. He's credited as the writer on Agua Caliente and Change Partners. But as you'll hear in this interview, he had his hand in many of the episodes throughout the season. You might recognize Fief's name from a number of TV shows, but for me, he stood out as one of the main voices of the classic sitcom Cheers. And in this interview, we talk about how he went from comedy to drama, how he landed on Terriers, and much more. So sit back and enjoy this interview with Thief Sutton, producer and writer on Terriers. So how did you come to be involved with Terriers? You know, I started out in half-hour comedy. I started out on Cheers. But then I had gradually over the years, I had transitioned to doing drama. So I did uh, Boston Legal for three years. And Sean Ryan called me and wanted to meet with me about, about this show. And I was surprised. But then he told me that when he was just starting out as a, as a writer, he'd called me evidently, I was on Cheers at the time, and asked my advice. And evidently I was very nice to him. I don't remember this. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he always remembered that. And then, he, of course, he started out as a half-hour comedy writer too. And, you know, then he transitioned to doing Nash Bridges. And then, of course, The Shield. And then he blew up. And that was really the first I'd heard of him. But he'd always remembered that. And he thought this show needed, you know, a certain amount of humor in it. And so somebody who could do drama and comedy would be good. So he, he did. I think he was sort of repaying an old favor that I didn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> and so you were one of the producers. What was sort of your yeah. day-to-day involvement on Terriers? Well, mostly I was involved. You know, I was in the writing room. We had a slew of great writers on that show. I mean, Ted Griffin, of course, his brother Nick Griffin, John Worley. Tim Minear, of course, my God, um, <laughs> Leslie Headland, Angela Kang, Jed Seidel. They were just great, great writers. And we we sat around and we, we just tried to break the stories in the way that you would least expect them to go so that you'd come up with a story and it would be great and it would be wonderful. And then, they, and then Ted or Tim would say, OK, that's that's what people would expect to happen. Now, let's do something else. <laughs> so the stories were always being remodeled and broken and rebroken and and it was quite a uh adventure and of course when i wrote episodes i would go down to san diego where we filmed it we filmed it actually in the place where it was set it was one of the few shows i i can know that was actually filmed it was actually filmed in in ocean beach mm-hmm. we were i would go down there and and oversee the the filming of it too well one thing yeah i noticed when i was watching this the uh the setting of ocean beach really does come to life because you've got that the lighting feels like san diego lighting in a way that nowhere yeah. else would yeah. and the set the place does yeah, no, it was it was a, it was a wonderful place, and you know, it just just so odd to actually film it in in the place that it's supposed to be because they almost never do that. You know, Boston Legal we filmed in Manhattan Beach, California. Cheers, we filmed in Hollywood. Uh, they're they're always they always film it in Toronto or some other place. But so the idea that you could actually be in the place that it was about was really really exciting. And of course, it, it had a look to it that I don't know. It it, it sort of recalled the. The '70s films nobody remembers, like Cutter's Way, and uh, it had it had that gritty feel to it that was really cool. Sure, and in a lot of ways, it was it seemed to recall something like Rockford Files on TV or the Beach yeah. Noir that was uh, that was big in the '70s. Yeah, yeah, it did, and it was one of the weird things that that, ha- that happens right now in in TV. The networks always have rules, you know, things that they make a face about, you know, mm-hmm. that you know. You couldn't do a show set in New York before Seinfeld and Friends. Mm-hmm. You don't want to do a show about show business, you know, until Entourage, you know. 
And uh, r- right now they have a thing. They, they don't want to do private detective shows. I think private detective shows are old-fashioned. So you have all these shows that are, that are basically about private detectives, like Monk and Castle, that they call them consultants to the police. So they, sure. call, this, so they call them that. We call them, actually call them private detectives. And, and I, I think that was a big mark against the show in, in, in people's minds because they thought that was old-fashioned. But there, are, there really are private detectives. <laughs> um, <laughs> And and of course they they did it in their own special way. So well, it's interesting you mention that because I I always think of Terriers uh, in a similar vein to a couple of Shane Black gems that are just his newest yeah. the na- nice guys and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And I've yeah. always wondered why this don't catch on. I wonder if people are sort of not ready for private detective stories. Well, I think they are. I think they are. I think it's just it's just a rule that that people have an you know one it'll all would take me one show to to break the mold and and then they'll be all over the place. You know. Yeah. You had two episodes that you were credited as writer on, right. Change Partners and Agua Caliente. Mm-hmm. How was your role on that show different than your day-to-day on the others? Well, with, with, with Change Partners, you know, that, that was like the, the second episode, wasn't it? I think it was the yes, third episode. Yes, a third episode. Yeah. So that one was, you know, it came about the time when we were all pitching ideas for stories. And I pitched that idea for a story and everybody really liked it. And then I went and wrote it. And I, I think it turned out to be one of the, one of the best episodes. I um, agree. And then with uh, with Agua Caliente, we were more in the storyline of the show, you know. So that story came about. Everybody was, you know, pitching ideas and all that. And that that was more of a of an organic show that came about in the room. And I wrote that with John Worley, and uh, I wrote the first half, and he wrote the second half. He's a he's a great writer too. So that was uh, that that was more of the when the show was in in progress. And everything was was coming together in the storyline. Ray shows up in both those ex- episodes. Yeah. Was he was he your creation? No, no. I came up with the basic idea of a guy who wants his wife to cuckold him and thinks she's lying to him about. It. And then the actual storyline we came uh, up okay. in the, in the room. So the idea of of yeah the ex partner showing up and all that that everybody came up with together you know Sean and Tim and and Ted you know because they, you know you beat stories out in the room ad nauseum sure sure <laughs> and then you you know you write it and then write another draft and then they change it a lot and you write another draft they change it a lot and then Ted of course went in and did a did a pass on it too and it was um, everybody's hand is in every script there's a lot of my writing in shows that that I don't have my name on it you know. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to cast your mind back about six years. I have a couple specific questions six about years, really. Jesus it's been Lord. six years, six years uh, <laughs> to the day, and in about a week here. Oh my god! Um, so I had a couple specific change partners questions, and I will understand if the answer is I don't remember this. But Armand does not sign the papers and then goes out the window. Yeah. And and I was wondering if in your mind is that a deliberate choice? Like is he deliberately screwing Hank's last action, or is he just so distraught he's not thinking about it? I think he's just not thinking about it. He may be doing a little bit of a dig at, at Hank, but basically he's not thinking about it. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I was wondering in terms of sort of how sympathetic I should feel toward poor Armand, um, <laughs> who definitely gets himself into those trouble, but... Uh, well, he got exactly what he wanted, you know? Yeah, and found that it wasn't what he wanted. Second question on Change Partners, why does Hank tell Miriam the truth instead of lying to her or sort of muddying the waters? Because that's just the most devastating choice he could have made. I think he just wants her to know, you know? Mm-hmm. He just wants her to know. It's more of that Hank doing accidental damage that is kind of part of his character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the last question sort of related to this. I know you weren't specifically the credit writer on Ring a Ding Ding, but I was noticing as I watched through that Hank's advice to Katie is the exact opposite of what he does with Miriam. He tells her, you know, <laughs> bury this, don't tell anyone. And I wondered, 
does he think he made the wrong choice or is is it conscious like he's like oh this is the wrong way to handle this i'll tell katie the right way to handle it or is just is it more of a case of do what i say not what i do a i think you learn from his mistake and b i think i i've, I've always felt that when people give advice in television shows, there's always the feeling that it should be the right advice. And, yeah. and often people give exactly the wrong advice. Right. So I think it was just to, for him to to give just exactly the wrong advice. <laughs> yeah. And I, that's that's really interesting you say that because, yeah, it, of course it blows up in his face later because yeah. yeah. Katie tells him and he knew and it's just going to cause all kinds yeah. of problems. You wrote one of the most selfish things I think Hank did in, in confronting Armand and then and then confronting Miriam. That's one of his more selfish things. But you also wrote one of the most noble things he does where he takes a bullet for Katie. So I'm curious, how do you see Hank Dalworth? I think he's a guy that tries to do the right thing. He just doesn't always know what it is. Sometimes he does the wrong thing, but I think it's always with, with, a, with the intention of doing the right thing. And in a similar vein, uh, you got you wrote a lot of things for Brit in the episodes you wrote were sort of showing off his criminal past a bit more. And I'm curious what you think some of the defining qualities of Brit Pollock were. You know, he was a, a you know young guy. He wasn't totally finished. You know, he didn't have all his values in place, and he was a criminal by circumstance. You know, he wasn't a a bad guy or a malicious guy at all. But I think things just worked out that way for him. When he gets older, when he gets finished, he'll be he'll be a good guy. Were there any characters on the show that you particularly enjoyed writing or particularly would have enjoyed writing more for? Maggie, Maggie. I loved writing for Maggie. Maggie was great. <laughs> I didn't get to write for Maggie very much. She was wonderful. Uh, and I, I, I loved writing for Britt and Hank. I mean, I could have written for them. Years of writing for them. It would have been great. So you have a new book that you have written with uh, Janet Ivanovich? Yes. It's, it's a new crime series. And it sounds like I'm going to be right up a Terriers fan's alley. Can you tell me a little about it? Well, it's, it's a little bit lighter than Terriers. <laughs> I think it's called Curious Minds, and it's about a uh, eccentric, wealthy man who lives in Washington, D.C. and solves crimes in an eccentric way. This is about the, the gold reserve in uh, the Federal Bank in New York, and it's, it's being stolen. How many books have you written? I've written about five books, I think. I've written two with Janet. I wrote one last year called Wicked Charms that was a different series. And then I've written a couple of books by myself, 15 Minutes to Live and Crush. And Crush is a, Crush is actually, I think, more along the lines of Terriers. It's about a, a nightclub bouncer in L.A. and he helps people. Um, and I've written, I've written that and then I have a new Crush book coming out in, in November called Heart Attack and Vine that I, I really like too, so... I, I think that I think Terriers fans would like those books. I will definitely be giving them a look. I didn't know they were out there, and I will now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, final question, and I have to ask: uh, Do you think there's room for more Terriers? And if so, what would you like to see f for those characters? Well, I mean, I, I, I obviously there's there's room for more. I mean, that that, that would be. I mean, they, we only did thirteen, and and uh, that would be great. I think you know, in reality, it would be pretty hard to get it going again. Sure. I mean, Donald's off doing Gotham. Tim's off doing American Horror Story. Sean is off doing Timeless. I mean, it's just to get everybody back together again in the same way, I think would be nearly impossible. But I mean, the, the, the adventures of the characters, I want to know which, which turn they took, you know? Sure. Know which way they went at the, at the, at the light. And, and, you know, the funny thing is p people say, well, you know, he turned this way, he turned that way, and, and we decided which way he turned. Right. I'll, I'll tell you, in all honesty, what we decided, at that, even if we, even if we did decide at that last, the last get together, which way he turned, 
when we got back together again and we're doing the second season, that would change. That might change. So I don't want to say, I don't know which way he turned. <laughs> you know? And I don't think anybody does. You can't say. All right. Well, thank you very much for talking with me. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's, 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 this is exciting and interesting to do. And I, uh, I, I love the show. It was a great experience and it was too short. <laughs> uh, definitely agreed. Beach Cop Detectives is an independently run podcast co-produced by Randy Lander and Grant Davis from the TV Dudes and part of the Permanent Record Network. Music for this series includes the surf music tracks Happy and Whimsical by Paul Tyann. To hear more of his work, go to soundcloud.com slash Artwork for the show is by Nate Bliss. You can find him at n8bliss-art.tumblr.com. You can like us on Facebook at Beach Cop Detectives and on Twitter at Beach Cop Podcast. You can hear weekly TV commentary by Randy and Grant at thetvdudes.com. Thanks for listening.